Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. I'd like to take a little time here to focus on meeting the needs of others. Regardless of age, we're going to do a little review here of the basics. I mean, like the absolute most basic needs of others. You see, as leaders, which we all are, we need to focus on meeting the needs of others and being hyper aware of those needs as we are trying to propel those around us to their potential. A quick reminder here. We are all leaders because a leader is defined as someone who has influence over another person. And all of us at every level have influence on our surroundings. We all have the ability to impact others. And it is important that we are always thinking about that influence and reflecting upon our presence and purpose. While doing that, we need to operate in an empathetic mode. Now, while many of us have strong internal processes for figuring out our own challenges, there are others who have needs that are not always met. To illustrate this, I want to review a key principle and understanding of how to support others. Something many of us have learned about over the course of our lives, a little thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But I want to flip it to the context of our engagement, our engagement in our lives, and get you to think about how to support the base level in this episode. Who was Abraham Maslow? Well, Abraham Maslow was born on April 1st, 1908 in Brooklyn, New York, where he grew up the first of seven children born to his Jewish parents who emigrated from Russia. Maslow later described his early childhood as unhappy and lonely. He spent much of his time in the library, immersed in books to get away from it all. Maslow studied law at City College in New York, and after developing an interest in psychology, he switched to the W the University of Wisconsin, and found a mentor in psychologist Harry Harlow, who served as his doctoral advisor. Maslow learned, earned all three of his degrees in psychology, a bachelor's, master's, and doctorate from the University of Wisconsin at Madison. Maslow began teaching at Brooklyn College in 1937 and continued to work as a member of the school's faculty until 1951. And during this time, he was heavily influenced by Gestalt psychologist Max Wertheimer and anthropologist Ruth Benedict. Maslow believed that they were such exceptional people that he began to analyze and take notes on their behavior. This analysis served as the basis for Maslow's theories and research on the human's potential. He developed something called the humanistic psychology. During the 50s, Maslow became one of the founders and driving forces behind the school of thought known as humanistic psychology. His theories, including the hierarchy of needs, self-actualization, and peak experiences, became fundamental subjects in the humanist movement. He is, in my eyes, one of the key people to move the psychology and the psychology sciences from what is wrong with people to what is right about people. Kind of a pioneering buffalo. So let's look at the core areas of need on his pyramid and then talk about the base. At the very base of the pyramid is psychological needs. Air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. It's the very basic things we need as human beings to sustain ourselves. The second level is our safety needs personal security, employment, resources, health, property, recognizing that we have what we need in order to sustain and grow. The third level in the middle is love and belonging. That's where we have friendships and intimacy, family, a sense of connection. 
And the top two, which not a lot of people can get to, is esteem. Respect, your self-esteem, your status, your recognition, your strengths, and your freedom. But the very top, self-actualization, is the desire to become the most that you can be. Now, I want to focus on the core two areas of the pyramid at the base, psychological needs and safety. Because in classrooms, boardrooms, and the office, if these two areas are not met, well, not much is going to happen. Because it's all about the base. Because you know I'm all about that base, about that base, no trouble. I'm all about that base, about that base, no trouble. I'm all about that I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. My favorite part of the pyramid is the tip. Self-actualization. The ability or desire to be what you want to be. To want to be there. However, there have been volumes of books, studies, and dissertations done about the ways in which we can get people to realize their potential. However, so many people stuck at the base. The key to this is not how to get them to the tip. Instead, it is how to engage them in the process. Earlier this summer, I ran a leadership retreat and introduced what this looks like in the workplace and then asked people a very simple question. What would you need in order to get to the highest levels of engagement at the workplace or in life so that you can realize your own potential? And you know what they said? We got to figure out the base. You see, too many of us are trying to tell kids and colleagues how to get engaged, sometimes myself included. But the key is to ask Ask what is working and what would you change at those different levels so that we can navigate and guide them with our leadership. Because our leadership, after all, is about influence. And how can we influence other people if we don't know what they need? The hierarchy of needs is pretty clear. As a leader, you can support the conditions for the lowest levels of the hierarchy. But you cannot make people get to the top. Because it's like climbing a mountain. They have to choose to get there. Did you hear what I just said? As a leader, you can support the conditions for the lowest level of the hierarchy, but you cannot make people get to the top. They have to choose it. Let's look at those hierarchical levels in the workplace. They're the same things. Survival at the base. What does it look like for people who are not engaged? They're there because they have to be. They leave as fast as they can. They hate their job and will tell everybody around them about it. They don't think their work is exciting and they just watch the clock all day long. That's the lowest level of survival in the workplace and the classroom. Now, what about the security level? Well, disengaged is what you would be describing it as. They're not interested in doing their best or working longer. If they can take a sick day, they will. They have poor working conditions in their mind, and they create poor working conditions for others. They don't like their boss. They don't like their teacher. They don't like their work teams. They don't like anything. They don't like their job, and they're going to tell everyone they can about it. And they very rarely read anything that would help them get better. At the top three levels, it's a totally different story. The people who have a sense of belonging... Well, they know they're part of something bigger. They just don't know how to get engaged in it. They're almost engaged in the full process, but they're still a little leery because some of their base level pieces have not been met. They're proud of what they do, but they don't feel successful. And they don't shout it from the rooftops. They might leave if they have the opportunity to go, and they might not step in and help others if the opportunity presents itself. And they're not really looking to stay. But the top two levels, the top two levels of engagement, oh, at the top level of feeling importance, 
they recognize that this place couldn't run without them. They realize that their work is important. They feel important in their work, whether that be in the job, in the classroom, or in any environment. They're always busy. They're they're fairly stressed, I guess I would say, but they like it. They feel like they're an achiever, and they believe that wherever they go, they left it better than when they got there. Now, the highest engaged levels of people, look out. They are running around, what can I do for you? They inspire other people to do their best. They're constantly coaching. They're cheerleading. As I always tell my son, Charlie, lead wherever your feet are. That's who they are. They love where they work. They love where they learn. They're high flyers. They have defined success and they live to it. Now, those are the five levels of engagement in the workplace based upon Maslow's hierarchy of needs. After listening to that, what did you actually hear? You hear that as we move up, well, you hear it. You hear it from a me and they to a we and us. More first leadership taking place. There is more problem solving in the mindset. There are more buffaloes, but it's a pyramid, which means as we get to the top, there is a realization of my own ability to be successful cannot be met if my lower needs are being ignored. I can take risks if I'm at the top because I have support. I can do things and help others because it is encouraged. And you can create that condition. Now, let's look at a process. I've now worked with a few schools on this and districts. And what I do is I introduce them to the pyramid, share with them workplace engagement statistics, and then we go level by level asking two simple questions. So we start at the base of survival. And when it comes to survival mode here in our organization, what's going well? Like, what is going well at the base level? Our pay, our conditions, our colleagues, our teamwork, our collaboration, our problem solving, my ability to feel accepted, my, feel, my ability not to feel threatened in meetings, and then have people list all of that out for you. Put it up on the wall in a post-it pad. This way, you can reinforce and do more of what they are asking for and less of what we're about to hear. The second question is this. What do we need to change at this level in order to increase your engagement? Now, I don't care what you do if you're an employee or a boss. These are critical questions because people will answer them. People who feel intimidated in meetings, who feel put down, who feel like they're not recognized, who feel like they're disrespected, When given the opportunity to safely say, hey, one of the things that would be nice is if when we enter the room, people don't say things like, it's about time you got here, without asking if there's a reason or something we could have done to help them get to the meeting on time. Because we don't know the story. There's zero empathy in casting blame. I want you to focus on thinking about this in the classroom for a minute. And if you're not in education, just flip it to your context. Imagine checking in with your students at all levels and asking them, What makes you want to be here? What can we change so that you would want to be here? That's a base level question. Describe what makes you feel important and valued in my classroom or our school. Describe a good class period. Describe a good day. Describe a great week. Describe what we could do different to make more class periods great, more days engaging, and more weeks worth it. What in the world would happen to learning indicators if we asked those questions and then We acted upon the idea, stopped doing things that were disengaging, and moved children to new levels that they have prescribed for us. Sheesh, as the kids say, 
It would be awesome, as old people say. Now, do the same for those you serve. When we focus on the engagement of others, keep them informed as to the why and include them in the decisions that impact their life. That's how we move people up. They'll be able to get to the top of the pyramid if we continually show them the navigational ways to get there. If you work in an environment where you may be stuck at the bottom, well, you have two choices. Figure out a plan and review what is working and what needs to be changed or go and find your happiness. Obviously, children do not have the ability to leave the room and go teacher shopping, but teachers and employees, well, they do in the 21st century, and they certainly have the ability to leave, and they need to find alignment so that they can be at peace and position themselves to be their best. But as employers and colleagues and leaders, we also need to make sure that we're paying attention to those things in people so that we can retain great talent and attract great talent. Look back at the hierarchy in Maslow's framework and introduce this to staff with frequency. Find out where they are on the pyramid during certain periods of the year and lead through the valleys by bridging and engaging. People just want to be heard. They want purpose. They want to be respected. And those at the bottom two levels of the pyramid, well, if you can support them with the base, they'll be able to build themselves all the way to the top. So let's do some smart thinking. List the ways in which you can support others on the hierarchy. Describe where you think you operate most days on the hierarchy. And frame for yourself a process so that you can engage those you serve so they can reach the peak. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please share this episode on your social media platform and engage others in these thinking exercises. Please take a minute and help me out with the platform and rate the podcast on whichever platform you listen to. And as always, well... Thanks to the Well Pennies for their great music. Find them on your music subscription platform. I've used the word platform like nine times in the closing here, I feel like, but that's what we have a lot of lately. And look forward. It sounds like the Well Pennies are in the studio putting together another new album. Finally, in my conversations, listenings, and coaching of leaders the last few weeks, I keep hearing the same song in my head. You have to learn to pace yourself. You're just like everybody else Pressure I love Billy Joel and I love that song But it's just not the right song in the context of where we are currently However, I keep hearing everyone feel it is their personal responsibility Under pressure to get everybody to a better place It is not your job to make people happy Because happiness is a choice However, it is your job to create the conditions so that others can be at their best and choose to be engaged. Focusing on engagement is a key in the classroom, the office, the hospital, wherever you are. If you're interested, you can get the workplace pyramid I just described in this episode by emailing me or look for it in this week's TH3 because I think it's something for you to post, for you to teach around, for you to show people. The tool and the visual is very powerful because you can use it to determine where people are in their mindset. A colleague or a student in survival mode is not going to be able to perform, so we can step into that space and support, or we can ignore them, which is going to keep them at the base. A highly engaged person who's at self-actualization is going to be bouncing around your organization looking for opportunities to lead. It is our job as leaders to look for ways to support those we serve and go back to the basics of where people are on the hierarchy of needs because that is critical. Why? 
Well, if you're not looking at the world through a set of pre-established lenses, you are likely not going to be your best because you're going to be judging too much, looking for opportunities to cast blame and not leading. We need to look at those around us and figure out what they need, how to support them, and where they need our influence. Focusing on where the people are and how to get them where they need to go puts us at the very top of that pyramid. It also positions us as leaders to teach others how to get unstuck so that they can be their best when they are needed to be. We are, after all, buffaloes looking to intentionally charge into storms. And now we can use a language of hierarchical engagement to get them there and keep us at the top. Show 